Welcome everyone. This is Joni Holm. I'm helping out today in Joan Hogan's absence. We welcome you to Prairie Doc Radio and we hope you will call us at 692-1430 with your questions. We do have a guest in studio. I'll let Rick introduce her. Right. Today we have Teresa, Dr. Teresa Binkley, who is a uh, researcher at uh, SDSU. And uh, she and I are partners in crime in our project coming up, the For Me Project. And uh, so it's kind of exciting. And I thought it might be uh, fun to talk about it today. She also is the grandparents of like the two cutest kids ever. Oh, and she's not going to disagree with you on that one. And they live <laughs> next door to us. And poor little Linus was crying today when he left, which is so unusual. Oh, but really? anyway. Welcome, Teresa. Yes, thank you. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about the study that I'll be working on with Dr. Holm and have also known both Joni and Rick for a long time, so it's fun to connect with uh, old friends as well. Yeah, good your daughter us. and our oldest son were good friends. Buddies back in the day. Good yes. buddies. Now we've got Theatrical son next door. Yes. People music, musically inclined and all that stuff. Rick, I do have one question <coughs> that came in online. Would you like to just do that before we sure. start? Let's sure. Okay. Um, this is a call from a 65-year-old woman who walks three miles twice a week and she often bikes as well. And she has shin splints. Um, she wants to know what causes them and how she can treat them. And once they go away, how she can prevent them from coming back. Right. Um, I find that when I overdo it, you know, if I'm pushing myself to go a little bit further, my muscles will go into spasm at night, for example. Uh, I think shin splints are in particular, if you look at those, they're the discomfort that you have in the front part of your, of your uh, lower leg. And those muscles are the ones that are responsible for bringing the, the toes and the feet back. You know, the, the, uh, they raise the feet as you swing forward so that your feet don't drag uh, and uh, it, they prevent foot drop. And those particular muscles can go into spasm and you can have tendonitis as well from overuse. Yes, but this is, I think, more overuse than the spasm. I mean, right. it's the, the exercise she's doing is excellent, but maybe she's just pushed a little quickly. Right. But, and, and here's the other thing that's happened. Uh, in the last month as I prepared for the 4M pro, for Me project, uh, I've realized uh, something that's, I think, very important. You know, we strengthen our muscles, and those muscles get stronger and thicken, you know, you know the, the, the biceps of a muscle builder, you know, you think of those strong muscles that, that build and, and thicken, right, and strengthen. Uh, the problem is that it's sort of like the heart muscle that builds and strengthens, um, and it's strong, but it's not strong if it can't dilate. Uh, you know, if your heart can squeeze, that's great, but you've got to be able to open and let blood in for it to be able to squeeze blood out. And people who have very strong hearts uh, can't dilate. Uh, they have diastolic dysfunction. They can go into heart failure and die. Um, uh, we need to be able to uh, 
for a muscle to move, it's got to be able to stretch. And um, I hadn't really, I'd kind of poo-pooed that whole thought about stretching. I know that it made sense and, you know, you don't want your muscles to go into spasm and that's why you should stretch, right? But I hadn't realized that really the strength, until I started thinking about the heart muscle, uh, and I was doing this as I'm preparing for the For Me research project, that we've got to stretch for those muscles to be in good shape, for them to be able to to move. I mean, you if you can't stretch out, then they don't have any movement to make. So what I would suggest, that long, that long diatribe, and my wife rolls her eyes, uh, that, that, um, that we need to try to stretch more. And I think if uh, our caller could uh, spend some time stretching, uh, the, particularly the dorsal, you know, the, the muscles that dorsiflex the foot and the toes, that bring it up. And in other words, uh, I think if you spend some time stretching the foot down, and I don't think we do a lot of that. We do a lot of stretching the back of the leg. We don't do a lot of stretching in the front of the leg. And so I would uh, just look into stretching that part. And if it starts to hurt you, just stretch some more. Ice or heat? Uh, I don't know that I would say either one. I mean, ice, I always recommend ice for people who have immediately when they have an injury for about a 24-hour period of time and then heat to help it heal. Um, heat helps healing. Ice will help, the, will, will prevent the spasm. So maybe but it, some heat but at it this slows, point. it slows the healing process. So I think heat is what right. I would prefer. Okay, I think we should take our first break and we'll come back and get right into the 4M project or 4Me project and uh, explain to people what we're talking about. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're going to talk about our For Me project, and Teresa and Rick, explain this for people who don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, let's talk a little bit about what got you interested in doing this, because this was a big, this is a big effort on your part to 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 jump on board with the Rick Home go get them and let's yeah. change lifestyle idea. Yeah. I'd have to say what, what got me interested was uh, actually Rick was working with my supervisor, Bonnie Specker, Dr. Bonnie Specker, and they were meeting at Cook's Kitchen for breakfast occasionally. And I, and what got me on board is that I got invited to breakfast at Cook's oh. and I wasn't <laughs> going to pass that up. But um, as I learned more about it, it's a lot of the work that I've done over the years now looking at the connections between muscles and bones, but in particular now some of the devices that we can use to measure uh, muscle cross-sectional area, um, now we're turning it toward muscle density. And that's the real key thing in this study is not just how big a muscle is, but how many little muscle cells are packed in there. And so we know that with age we have something called sarcopenia. Sarco refers to muscles, and penia is the decrease in it. So sarcopenia is the the lack of muscle or the loss of muscle, and we know that happens with aging because we have less growth hormones, and um, 
It also happens though when people become overweight or obese because the fat infiltrates into the muscle, so the muscle is really then less dense. So these were the populations that are, are quite um, popular in research right now, and uh, so it was very exciting to think we could maybe look into a study that could measure some of these things. And we're starting with the elderly population to see if we can do any activities by changing diet and exercise to uh, increase that muscle density. Mm-hmm. Joni, you go. I'm curious about how you measure the density. I mean, obviously we measure size of things, but how do we, how do you see those in the increased density that you're talking about? Yeah, so we do have a, a device that is on our mobile unit that we use with the EA Martin program at SDSU, and it's called a peripheral CAT scanner. So it can scan um, a, an arm or a leg. And in this particular study, we'll be scanning that calf muscle. Um, it'll do a cross-sectional view of that muscle. And besides just then being able to analyze that image for how big the muscle is, we can also analyze it for how much um, fat and muscle tissue are within that section, that cross-section. And that will then define the muscle density. So we will measure everyone before they start the program. And again, after 12 weeks of being in the program to see if we can see any changes in that uh, muscle density measurement. Right, right. now uh, part of what we're going to do is one group will get walking. Now if they're already walking, that's fine. We'll just increase the walking. The other group will have walking plus strengthening. And we, uh, you're on the cutting edge of the literature on geriatric strengthening programs and the first thing that you and Bonnie said is oh the Germans you gotta meet these German guys uh, they are and so into this we we've got into the uh, Esslinger, uh, Esslinger uh, uh, exercise program tell me a little bit about, about that exercise program yes well first of all I want to uh, reiterate that both the walking and the exercises are very beneficial so right. both groups are very beneficial right and with this study we are um, doing it in a way that if you're put in the walking group at the end of the 12 weeks you'll also be given the strength and balance exercises right. and and um, information on how to do them properly so it's not like we're one group is getting something that the other isn't. But um, with the Germans in, in particular, they, they do have an exercise program that has been used in geriatric populations up to people well into their 90s. And they have found that um, some of these simple exercises that you can do at home, that you don't need any specific equipment for, uh, just doing them um, kind of probably not even daily but several times a week can have can help improve the muscle function and and that muscle density right I as they as I've been pro trying to prepare for this learning more about the five Esslinger Essing how do you say it Esslinger Esslinger and it's actually the town is called Esslingen Esslingen Germany Esslingen yeah so the Esslinger uh, program uh, says okay you add to endurance which is the walking or the swimming or the biking you add to it uh, one uh, a stretching program right as we talked earlier 
uh, uh, to a balance program, um, uh, uh, three, a, uh, a hopping uh, 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 sort of a program. Weight-bearing. Huh? Weight-bearing. Well, you know, it's a hopping thing that makes mm-hmm. the bones stronger. Right. Uh, and then the strengthening will be upper strengthening, which is four, and five, uh, lower strengthening. So uh, it's, it's a five-part program of balance, stretching, uh, hopping, and strengthening. And uh, it's just really been kind of fun to see that because uh, uh, I think the hopping part is, is one of the more interesting parts of it because uh, I think it's heads and shoulders about in, above any bone-strengthening pill, of course. And, uh, and that's the goal. Comments? I can see that you got something. Yeah, um, and actually the, uh, one of the things the Germans stress is that it's not just the, the normal force that you'd put on bones, but that that hopping actually um, helps increase the force on the muscle and the bone, and that that's an integral part to improving uh, bone and muscle function. Right. So. so I'll give you one uh, exercise that I think is kind of fun, and then we'll take this last break, and it's called the Tai Chi. It's one part of the Tai Chi. In fact, we'll do the break, and then we'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, thank you all for listening. This is Prairie Doc Radio. We will entertain questions at 692-1430, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Uh, we have been talking about the For Me Project, and we have Teresa Binkley here, and we'd like to step back a minute and talk about how do people get into the program. Uh, so let's go there. Sure. Um, first of all, you know, Dr. Holm wanted to start some programs like this, and being he was going to put the time and effort in, he decided, well, could we collect some data and actually get some evidence-based results from it. And that's sort of where I came in on the research end and developing a protocol. And with those protocols, you have to have some way to find the participants and recruit participants. And so we decided to look at um, people who attend the clinic and um, Dr. Holm was integral in getting, getting that all arranged. But so letters of invitation were actually sent to recruit participants for this study. And uh, the age requirement was uh, 70 years or older. And I believe there were a few other criteria that went into uh, sending out the letters. That they've been to the clinic that they, one time in the last year. And, and the Avera Clinic. Yeah. And so that, that was then the, the process that we wanted to define as the recruitment uh, for the study. And it, it just revolves around that uh, solid research-based design and how you're going to uh, run the program. So that just related to the protocol we had to develop. How many people will be in the study or, or, or can be, and how many do we currently have? So uh, what we're thinking about is having eight groups of 12. <clears throat> two will be on Monday morning, two in the afternoon, Tuesday morning, Tuesday in the afternoon. And those uh, eight groups uh, of 12 uh, constitute 96. Well, we thought we'd just recruit 100, squeeze in an extra, we'll see how many drop out. I presume that a, a percentage will drop out. I mean, that's understandable. We've got people from 70 to 90, uh, uh, five already in the group. And uh, we are at... Uh, last count 85 so we're we're 15 short of our final and 
I'm afraid we're going to run to the point where we'll have to turn people down, but um, because we've only just it's it's been not even two weeks that we've had this thing going and we're almost full so when people uh, register for the program then they'll be given information and they'll start with their measurements and then they will be placed in the groups and start the exercises right. So, correct so, so, right and so uh, the, the sign up is uh, will the measurements will start uh, first of September actually September 7th is the first first day. study date that I've planned I have um, been scheduling people they've they've heard me on the phone they've had their pen and pencil handy to take down the notes that I give them and um, I actually have I think 78 people scheduled so it's the week after Labor Day and then also the following week and we'll be and starting uh, the week later and then I believe the weekly sessions for the 12 weeks will start the week of September 19th right so um, it is an intensive amount of, of measurements that we take at what we call the baseline, the first measurements. Um, we're thinking it'll take about an hour, and, and people are very willing to come in um, so far. Yeah. And uh, We'll see how it goes. So it's, it's been really fun to visit with the people who are interested and explain the study to them and, and the steps that we'll be taking to so get it going. So it's I'll not just exercise, though. We're going to spend half the time working on dietary education and it's and and w I, I was looking at our my 12-week lesson plans for the the the, uh, the program and you know they're uh, it's going to be concentrating a, a lot on calorie counting uh, but we'll talk about carbohydrates and fat and proteins and different kinds of proteins and I mean we're just going to talk broad uh, questions as a group of, tr of 12. You know, the, the thing that really uh, excites me is that the best educators are going to be not me um, who, who will be leading the sessions, but it will be the people who are participating, uh, teaching each other. Yeah, and they won't be put on any particular diet. It's more just a plan to bring focus and, and uh, maybe thought to, to what you're eating. Right. And, They'll and pick their own diet. Right, right. <laughs> it's going to be their own diet. So tell me what they, they come into the study with um, an idea that this is about exercise and diet. What will they leave the program with? What will the result, what can they take away? Well, I, I, think, I think they'll learn the ideas of stretching and strengthening and an exercise program that goes along with the endurance exercises, it will teach them how to keep from falling as they get older. I, and there are some just basic questionnaires we ask. Um, some are about um, perceived stress in your life and quality of life. So it's, it's almost uh, also looking at some of those things that relate to just being part of a group for a while and does that change your attitude or your outlook um, your does does helping to focus on eating maybe a little healthier and doing exercise five times a week does that help reduce some stress in your life so there are some different quality measures like that that we'll be looking at as well as just the the body measurements and things of that sort and not only will the researchers get the information, but I assume that the participants will as well. Right. By the when we're done, all of the results will will be given. Uh, the uh, f five Esslingers will be uh, heartily educated to the people who were in the group that uh, drew uh, walking alone, uh, so that everybody will get the advantage of those exercises. 
Uh, and uh, I, I can't imagine that there's any downside of this. You know, we were initially trying to figure out who's going to be the control group. And uh, a thought was just the control would be you get dietary education. You know, that's a good thing. Um, and then the, the uh, intervention group would be dietary and exercise. Well, we decided that's not fair. And so we're going to make it uh, a, a good program for every single person in that in the for me project. Uh, I'll mention one other thing. Uh, just from the SDSU aspect of it, I have talked with um, the um, physical activity de department and the nutrition department trying to get students also involved in either um, helping to collect the data or working with the data after we get it. So I think that's a big bonus for those um, SDSU students who are interested in trying to find some sort of research project in their field that they would be interested in. So that's another um, bonus for working together with the clinic and the university, yeah. That's awesome. Very multidisciplinary when we talk about the scientists, the participants, the students that can be involved. Um, and I always like to think about, and Bonnie Specker has talked a lot about that interconnectivity between the youth and the older Sen seniors so that's kind of a fun aspect as well well and I'm looking forward to you know this is an extension of my clinic uh, instead of just one-on-one -on -one, this is 12 on one and actually it's going to be 12 on 13 I mean they, we're all going to be learning from this and I'm just uh, you know Medicare doesn't pay for this this is a free uh, a program we will certainly ask if anybody's having a problem and they want to be uh, touch base with the doctor afterwards and and for that we will will do a, a minimal clinic charge but uh, for the rest of it it's a free deal but it shouldn't be I think if Medicare was gonna say uh, we're gonna spread our dollars better uh, this is this would be a really good way of doing it and I'm trying also this is a side effect of this is to educate Medicare and CMS that this could be a program that they would uh, uh, encourage in the future. All right. Well, I think we've got a lot of good information that we've spread to everyone. So if you have received that invitation and haven't made your call, do so. And if you have not received it, we'll hope that um, they'll, if there's another study, we'll get you involved. You know, it's interesting, uh, on call with the Prairie Doc. Oh, ooh, Bob wants to. Oh, phone number. Okay. Well, we've got, you know, 10 slots left. Yes. Uh, 10 or 15 maybe uh, if you're a clinic pa patient six nine uh, seven, seven nine five five one if uh, you've received that letter let's if, put let's right. keep it there and you you need to uh, realize that if you're if you're not in that first group you may not get in so uh, we're we're about done we're about full up so we want you to it's very exciting give your call uh, tomorrow or t tomorrow night is uh, on call with the Prairie Doc. It's still a rerun, although we will be making our first uh, show, uh, recording our first show because we have students to to work the cameras, uh, and it's exciting. It's going to be the Manly Men show. We're going to talk about Manly Men. We should probably have Bob come. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and talking about men's health because men's health is prostate uh, urology. Uh, specialist will be there and a family physician from Pierre will be there 
and then the week after we'll be doing a cancer show that uh, we also will be recording. So there's shows though going. Do you know what the show is tomorrow night uh, recorded, Joni? I do not. I, I do not either. <laughs> but there is a show tomorrow night. Please watch and enjoy. Seven and o'clock public TV. We've got uh, probably 35 seconds left. Uh, Teresa, I want to tell you how much I appreciate working with you on this. It's been a, a joy and a very learning experience to fill out an IRB and take the courses you have to do to be a researcher right. and so on and so forth. Right, he's getting there. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting him there. Yeah, but I, I appreciate uh, working with you as well and being here today. <coughs> and um, I, I wish our participants uh, good luck with the study and I'm looking forward to working with you. Thank you, me too. And uh, thank you, Joni, for filling in. You want to finish, yeah, well, this is it, we're done. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. We'll be back again next Wednesday. And Rick? Stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>